Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Roseanne Moore. Hi, Larger Story community. We are so glad to have you back on the Relational Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Roseanne Moore, and I have Carlene Cannon with me again. Carlene, last time we talked about the overview arc of your of your church right. experience. This time I want to talk more about what was it like having a community group, having 50 to 80 people meet in your home week after week over yeah. how many years was it? It spanned about 10 years, but the, the middle eight were the, when it, we grew and there's a bell curve, we grew sure. and then we, and then COVID sure. hit and we ended, but yeah. it was a good eight years of really solid, regular weekly meetings mm-hmm. with a good sized group of people. Wow. Wow. Okay. So t- tell me, how did that start? You said yeah. it started as a community group, Yeah. but obviously something was happening that people, how many yeah. people did you start out with? It actually started, we went to, the church we were going to at the time had a very strong emphasis on discipleship. Life on life discipleship was the term that they coined and used. And, but, but that, the way that looked were small groups of men met together weekly and small groups of women met together weekly. And they had student discipleship and discipleship for children on Sunday mornings and we were all in. Rich had his discipleship group. I had my group of women. The kids were involved and it was good. It was formative. It was, those were really good experiences. But one thing is our kids were getting older. We would experience, we'd have this experience because it was a large church and it it was a large campus. Like we would hit the doors 20 minutes before church started because it took that long to get from the parking lot to the doors to get all the kids spread out across the church building. And we just kept having this experience of, We'd have to take Ivy to her middle school thing on Wednesday night. And I had my Tuesday morning thing and Rich had his Monday night thing. And so it started to feel like our family was being pulled apart by the church. And that wasn't the intention. It certainly wasn't the design, but that's what we were experiencing. And so we wanted to bring us all back together in a Base in a way that we were actually experiencing discipleship as a family. And over the course of probably three or four years and in a couple of iterations, we started bringing the men's discipleship group and the women's discipleship group together on Sunday nights just for conversations about marriage. And, but then we had all these kids we had to do something with. So we rotate and take turns at adult down in the basement with the kids and Anyway, that just organically grew. And at the time, Rich was doing youth discipleship. He was a leader of a group of boys. And then we just started getting all these teenagers. Our kids were little at the time, but we started getting all these teenagers who would come to our house and would bring their families. And just gradually over time, it grew into this group of about 20 families. And we would have... 
we would meet together for so long. We had we needed to have a meal. So we would have dinner or lunch, depending on the time we were meeting. And then some number of the adults would be with the teenagers. Some would go be with the kids and do their discipleship time while the rest were cleaning up, actually. <laughs> it's a real family affair. And then we'd come with the kids have their own community down in the basement. This was the risky part, okay? <laughs> but we would leave them because they were older teenagers, like 17, 18 years old. And, and then the adults would have their time together. And at our peak, we had nine different groups of adults meeting in all the different rooms of my house. And so like my kids' bedrooms, there's a group of adults in the nursery. And, and it was a really powerful way to engage spiritual formation because you couldn't hide. If there was a problem happening between you and your spouse, like there was somebody talking to him and someone talking to me. If there was a problem happening with your teenage children, someone was hearing from the teenager and someone was hearing from the parents. And so... We were just able to be in each other's lives in ways that our prior experiences hitting the church doors and scattering didn't allow. And we walked through some really hard things with people, everything from young women with severe eating disorders to real tragedies. We had another family who lost the father. He had a sudden heart attack. And we walked through that with them. We had our whole set of challenges with family and in church and jobs lost, just the whole gamut of human experience. And it was messy. We had lots of really profound, teary breakthroughs. We had lots of conflict that we had to resolve. And it was in some ways, like the best season of our life. I think in some ways where all of us are trying to get back to that because it was real and fully orb, like you could show up as your whole self. And there was some real terror in that, but there was also real goodness in it. And it was just a really special season. What? I'm curious structurally, I guess because it yeah. was a community group associated with a church, yeah, you had you did have people who were like designated leaders, yeah, and you also had an opportunity for people to plug in at the beginning, and then, like you said, as it meant like yeah. as it was resonating, so you drew more, yeah. yeah, I'm curious if there were someone who is looking for that kind of community and yeah. says. I would love to open my home in that way. Yeah. What would you offer? Like, what advice would you offer? What? Yeah. yeah, we did some things just structurally. For First of all, we were very blessed to have some financial means to support this endeavor. We're in a metropolitan area where there's all sorts of traffic issues that come up. And we started doing the traditional kind of potluck if you will, <laughs> everybody brings something to contribute to the meal. And 
just because of the logistics of getting all the food here at a certain time, at some point I just decided to handle that. And we would have people contribute like salad and dessert, but I would just provide the rest of the meal because I could ensure that it would be ready at 1230 or whatever. And so we just had the means to do some things like that because logistically that can get, those kind of things can derail something. The whole way we approach the children is very controversial. What you do with the kids in a church is a big undertaking. And we had, you know, there were times we had 30 kids down in our basement and we were just blessed. My daughter at the time when we had that many small children, she's a teacher now. Like she was built to manage and shepherd children. And so even at 16, she had those kids all engaged and playing games and doing, so we were just blessed to have certain things that solve some of our problems. When she went off to college, we then had to put together a rotation of adults down in the basement. And honestly, they were much, (laughs) they struggled to do what she did naturally. But we just every year had to adapt the logistics to what was, what was in front of us. And it honestly gave me a greater appreciation for what churches manage when we all show up on Sunday morning, because we were managing essentially the same thing at our house. That was the whole period where we really got integrated again with the Crab family. And um, we went to Steve during that time. And a lot of the people in our community were also able to go. We were also involved with another ministry that was a companion or offshoot ministry of Larry's work. And all of that sort of emphasis on conversation and the training of how to have good conversations and how to you really get into people's souls were things that we were able to engage in together. And sometimes we did that really well. And sometimes we did it absolutely awful <laughs> and had to clean up messes that we made. We yeah. had to apologize and repent. And I think if I remember back, I was constantly confronted with my own pride and entitlement. And I really went into it wanting to offer sacrificially and selflessly and like that is really the desire of my heart and then I just hit something or somebody and be like nope that's enough that's too far you're asking too much (laughs) challenged to put into practice these glib things we would say of giving sacrificially and it's hard it's really hard to do that it's hard when people are in your house and they're I remember hearing an interview that was done by an American reporter with Mother Teresa. And she Mm. said, she said, Americans like to give, they're very generous, but they don't know how to sacrifice or they don't know how it was something to the effect of they don't, they give from generosity, not from love, something like that. And it doesn't cost them. Right. And the reporter said, does it, have to cost something (laughs) and she said love always costs something yeah yeah and I think that's really you put your finger on something it's 
we want we like the idea of being loving until it costs yeah. something. Exactly. It's, that's not so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like it costs us things that like cost privacy. It costs I had to give up on any notion of having it all together and looking good. There was one period when I was pregnant with our fourth child. It was a really difficult pregnancy and I honestly spent most of the nine months in a chair because I was sick and exhausted and in pain. And But I had three kids. And so just things like laundry, like the laundry had gotten totally out of control. And I distinctly remember this enormous pile of laundry in my laundry room. And I was sick when it was community group night. So I stayed up in my room. And <clears throat> that night, Rich finally was at the end of his rope. It was just probably complaining about all the things that he was having to pick up and that Ivy was, Ivy was 11 and Ivy was having to pick up and said something about the laundry. And so my friends, my friends went into my laundry room and got all this laundry. And I'm telling you, it was like, I felt like the pile was over my head. It probably wasn't that bad, but that's just how it felt to me. And they took it. They took my dirty laundry. And I was mortified. I was so angry talking about airing your dirty laundry they literally <laughs> took my dirty laundry <laughs> i was so angry at rich that he let them do that and i was so humiliated and embarrassed and yet like they were so glad to do something for me and so kind and sweet and they just spread it out so each person had a load to do i had probably 15 loads to do they spread it out and anyway it was this pretty radical experience for me it seems silly as i'm telling it but it was a radical experience of love both that my husband would he knew i was going to be mad like he he risked my anger and whatever humiliation I guess because he needed help and he knew they wanted to help and then they just ministered to me in a way that was really uncomfortable <laughs> and yet like God taught me the cost of my pride and the beauty of radical love like Again, it seems silly to talk about dirty laundry, but he really used that in me because it was really easy for me to feel like I was doing so much for other people because right, I spent right. a good part of my weekend. There was even one season where I was writing curriculum for the youth and the kids and cooking all the food and getting the house cleaned and you know, all that stuff and raising my four kids. And Rich traveled all the time. So it was easy for me to feel like I was doing so much that. I think God had to cut those experiences, and that's just one, to get my attention. He grabbed me by the chin and get my attention and say, you're really not doing that much. This is, this is about forming you. It's not about all the things you're doing. And I think that's what community is about. It's about not only how we love each other and how we serve each other, but it is about those times where we hold a mirror up and say, here's something you need to see. And I don't right. think that's what these women were doing when they took my laundry. They just wanted to love me. But that's 
what happened as a result is I saw myself in my complete weakness, like still trying to be independent and still wanting to get it right and manage my life and still feeling so entitled. And it was ugly. And so there's something about love, Larry's phrase of looking bad in the face of love. That might have been my first real significant experience of that because it looked bad. I had all this dirty laundry. I wasn't even keeping up with my regular life. And I was angry and cranky about them taking it and ungrateful and all of these ugly things. And God just said, look at you. Here's a mirror. Who are you? And is that who you want to be? Yeah. That, it's interesting that you brought up that statement by Larry, because that was what was going through my mind as you were sharing. Yeah. We want to be loved, but we right. fight it so hard. We yes. fight being loved for who we actually are instead of who right. we want to present that we are. Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, that's so good, Carlene. Yeah. I, yeah. That's amazing. It's interesting to me because the really unhealthy church that we were in had some serious, serious issues. We actually also experienced some really warm community as well in the middle of that. And it is, it is complicated. It's really complicated to sort through all of that. I had very, I had very traumatic births and yet I had people bringing six weeks of food meals afterwards. And so, yeah, it's human beings are, we need Jesus. (laughs) This is why we need Jesus. (laughs) We're complicated. (laughs) That's exactly right. And there's Jesus in all of those people. What one thing that I, yeah. yeah, one thing that I just ran across in some of my preparation I'm sharing about this course was a book that Larry recommended called Experiencing the Trinity. And in that book, he talks about, Larry has talked a lot about seeing other people as image bearers of God. And that's a really profound concept, but he took it a step further and said, like seeing them in the community of the Trinity And the whole relationship you have with them is as part of the Trinity, as part of this community. And I don't think that was a notion that was really conscious to me at the time we were doing community that way. But as I look back and think about how formative it was, even for us as a family, like I was saying, we had all of these teenagers in our home and we had really close relationships with them. When our kids were still in elementary school and middle school. And so we had all of this wonderful experience with teenagers before we actually had to parent teenagers, which was priceless. And we were able to be confidants and support for them and their parents as they were walking through really difficult things. And we're just able to experience a little bit, I think, of what Larry talks about, that perichoresis or gauging with the Trinity in someone else's formation. And of course, then, as I just shared, that always comes back to somehow forming me. And 
it was there, there's just something really beautiful when a family opens up and lets you be family with them and we were in a season of life where in a lot of ways we were losing our organic family during that season we had some significant breaks with rich's family and haven't repaired them yet and not for lack of trying but god provided us this bigger church family and in, in in some ways, because there wasn't all of the baggage that comes with family, the history, we were just able to engage with these other families in intense, wholehearted ways that we haven't found a way to do with, with our family. And um, it was such a gift. And it's still, and I think, we have plenty of stories of messiness where there was divisiveness and people left and we don't really stay in contact with them. We have just as many stories of families that we see. I was just at a birthday party for one of the young women who was a teenager and came up through our community group. She babysat my kids. Now she has her own kids. And we were just part of their family at this birthday party. So for all of the messiness of the pain, gosh, I'd still do it all over again. It's hard for me, because of the painful experiences, it's hard for me to think of starting up again. There's a lot of work and just effort in building those relationships, but it was absolutely worth it. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Carlene, for sharing all of that with us. I, at Larger Story Community, I hope you were encouraged. I know that sometimes reading Larry's books, it, he create he stirs a thirst for deeper relationships that mm -hmm. we can sometimes ask the question, okay, where do I find that? Mm -hmm. And I think, Carlene, your conversation reminds us we begin with where can I offer that? Yeah. How do I begin offering that and then see who God brings? Yeah. Into my life. Yeah. And I think what, one thing that I had to learn, and my husband is much better at this, he would go to the, like the elders of the church and say, give me the people that you don't know what else to do with. Give me the people who, and I was had to ask for the, but I learned from him this sort of openness to, okay, I, I am going to love the people God brings and I'm going to take on my own biases and prejudices. And you just like some people and you don't like others. And it's often the people you don't like that God has the most for you from them. And especially with your kids, like teaching your kids to, when they're 14, to love the unlovable is, it's an important, it's an important thing, but they have to see you be willing to do that first. And so I think often one thing I learned is that it's the very people that I was the most maybe skeptical of, or at least drawn to that God then used the most in me. And for me. And so I do think going into it, having this real openness for who God's going to bring to you 
And another thing I learned from my husband and my kids is, and being willing to invite anyone to just be expected for what God's going to do because he wants us to live in community. So he will bring people that's dear to his heart. So good. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Carlene, for sharing. And we hope you will be back with us next time. This is, we're wrapping up our quarter focus on real church and our next quarter book will be soul talk which if you want to be a part of real church soul talk is a good way to get started so we hope you'll join us for our book club for july july august and september focused on soul talk and there's still time if you want to get a taste of what real church conversations are like in our book club you can still do that as well so thanks for joining us today Thank you, Rosanne. Bye, everyone. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com. Thank you.